Hey, welcome to week three of Canovember. Uh, this series has been amazing. It's been so much fun. And here's what we're doing. Uh, we're getting to know people, and we're also getting to know attributes of God and characteristics of God that reside within these specific people. And I think uh, one of the coolest things about this series so far has been to see what God is doing in these people's lives, but then to realize that he can do it in my life too, that he wants to do it in, in my life too. And the endurance that we saw with Jerry is incredible. And the generosity that we saw with Doug, God, I can be generous too. And, and today we're going to get to know about God's vision and he's got a prophetic vision for your life. And I'm super excited because I get to be here with my great friend, Mr. Mike Novakovich. I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited Happy that we get to do this. Yeah. I mean, it's super cool. And <laughs> And uh, so introduce yourself and, and tell them a little bit about you and, and let's just roll. Sure. All right. So I've been going to the garden for, I think it's creeping up on 11 years. Wow. Uh, my wife, Shannon, and I will be celebrating the 26th anniversary of our first date in January. We've been so married cool. for 22 years. That's awesome. We have two pups. Uh, they're the boys, Marciano and Primo. Big they're boys. Big boys. They're big Euros. Boys. They're boxers. They're awesome critters. Uh, but on the career side of things, I'm the president and CEO at Visit Tri-Cities. Yeah. Uh, and it's God's had me on an incredible path, both with my marriage. I just, I love being married. And yeah. my wife is just awesome. And, and that's a blessing in my life because... Um, Without Shannon, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, no, she helps keep yeah. a lid on some of this, right? Yeah, yeah. we're very thankful. Yeah, for we Shannon. right. So is my mother, my dad. <laughs> yeah. I think the community <laughs> yeah, really. Just in yeah, general. you should be thankful for my wife. Uh, no, but my marriage is incredible, yeah. and and God's been in the middle of that thing, which is awesome. Uh, but my career, uh, God's fingerprints have been all over this thing, right. and it's nuts. And uh, when I look back at some of the things that have happened, and we talk about vision, yeah. um, you know, I'm I'm calling out to God on a daily basis, asking for wisdom and discernment. And I want to have a good understanding of where it is that he wants me to go. And in that place, um, there's some scripture that I'm standing on, Job 22, 21 and 22. You know, submit to God, he'll prosper your ways. Right. But also uh, committing to God because he will establish your plans. Right. So, you know, mind, body and soul, I submit to God. That's where I want to be. I'm not perfect at it, but this is where I want to be operating from. But com committing my marriage, committing my health committing my job and my career, yeah. my friendships, my family ties, all of these things to be good stewards of everything he's provided and use it to serve his purpose. And uh, God's just shown up. Yeah. And when I'm searching out his vision, there's been some things that I've been just a little thick-headed about and missed the boat on. Uh, my my uh, coming to work at the cancer center was one of those things where three times God put this position in front of me right. in three different ways coming from different directions, two different people, and once I saw it myself, and I kept asking for God to direct my past and story <laughs> yeah. where I need to be. Three times he yeah. shows up, and each time I'm like, yeah, that's not it, that's not it, that's not it, until the third time, I said, that's not it, and I woke up in the morning, because this happened in the evening, and I'm like, oh my gosh, that is it, that's what am it. I doing? God's like, how <laughs> yeah. many times do I gotta show you? This is it, right? But I've had people, too, speaking into my life. Uh, we've got uh, Sandy back here running the camera. Yeah. One day she said that your platform's not yet arrived, and it's so funny because um, there's, uh, I think it's James 1-4 that says, uh, I let perseverance uh, finish your work. So right. you've got the maturity to take on all these things that God has in store for you. And while I was waiting for my opportunity, that next bump in my career, um, I, needed to, I needed to stay in place and learn all I could. And one thing I've really worked to practice is preparation. Because yeah. if you're prepared when God provides that opportunity, incredible yeah. things can happen. But you got to be ready to go, yeah. right? It, it, yep. it, it's game time and there's nobody waiting around for you. Right. It's like, you know, put the foot to the gas, let's hit this thing. And so I've done that. It, there's not been the idle time. I've been investing the time in education and right. networks and, and everything I can do to position me well to serve God's purpose, right? So at right. the, the end of this is Shannon and I are constantly praying that when our ways are prospered, when we're achieving God's vision, all that's used to serve his purpose, which is serving yeah. other people, yeah. right? So in this place, I've had some people speak into my lives when I was waiting you know, patiently, yeah. trying to be patient right. for this <laughs> next opportunity. And um, Chris Smith one day, uh, Chris tells me that, um, you know, that he, God has some big things in store for me that I was going to be positioned uh, in a place within the community, speaking to, into people's lives that other people just weren't connected to, right? Yeah. And this was working with people in positions of authority. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. And it was probably a week or two later that your your dad was preaching. And, he, and these two hadn't talked. He said almost the same thing from the platform. And he, he had called me out and said that I was going to be speaking to the lives of leaders in our community. And I'm like, man, that's big stuff. And then, uh, I don't know when it was, but it wasn't too terribly long after that. Um, Bill Shear here was here uh, yeah, preaching, yeah, yeah. so Pastor Bill Shear. 
And, and so the night before, I got an opportunity to meet him for all of about 30 seconds. We're, we're at doing a, a leadership training. We're having dinner. Shannon and I are lying. Uh, Pastor Bill comes up behind us, and it was a, hi, how you doing? I right. mean, that was yeah. about it. We go through the chow line. We go about our way, and he conducts this leadership training. Next day, we're in church. Shannon and I are sitting towards the back here. He's preaching, end of service. The band's playing. It's loud. Everybody's on their feet. He walks off the platform like that fast. Like I mean, it was like a ghost. Like yeah. He's in my ear he grabbed my shoulder pulled me into me and uh, me into him and he says uh, i woke up thinking about you and god's got big things in store for you but you need to press in yeah. and it just blew me away i was like oh my gosh and at this point and i've had these ebbs and flows um as it relates to like diving in the word i'm in the word every day yeah but there are points when it becomes mechanical yeah. right so i'll read a, a chapter as i work my way through the bible but then you know and read a chapter of proverbs it yeah. seems to be a routine and then i may have some other scriptures i'm standing on I hadn't really dug in in a while and really searched God out. And so I did that. I st- and every time I've done this, when I've just pressed in yeah. and, and really taken a good look at God's promises and meditated on some things, doors open. Right. And because I've invested the time to be prepared, I'm ready to step through them when it happens. Right. You know, in that space, you need to be bold, confident, and courageous and just go, I'm, I'm doing this thing. Even yeah. if it looks scary, even yeah. if it looks bigger than you are, because God's bigger than all of these yeah. things. So I did. And this opportunity came up uh, with Visit Tri-Cities. And I was looking for that next bump in my career. I've been at the Cancer Center for six years, which was an amazing and incredible experience. Um, but I was looking to do the next big thing and serve right. God's purpose. And God saw me through this. They're doing uh, a national recruitment on this. Um, there was an internal candidate that was really strong, and God positioned me well. And in part of that, I, I talked about building um, this network. Those right. this is relationships yeah. is what I'm talking about. And you've got to be be a doer, doer of the word, right? You got to be a person of action. Yeah. And because I raise my hand when there's things to do, I position myself well with others because I knew I was a, a get it done kind of guy. Right. And it came through. I've got when I did this interview, uh, my board is 46 board members. So I had my <laughs> final interview was with 46 board wow. members and leadership staff in there. So it's a whole room full of people. Yeah. And what was pretty cool is there was a number of them that I knew and, and knew how I operated, and they were big supporters of me wow. and put me in a position that's um, uh, well-connected throughout the community. It's a, it's a significant economic driver for the Tri-Cities region. So it's it's in a place of influence, but it's a great place for me to be to serve God's purpose. Yes, that's so cool. And I love some of the stuff you're saying in there. Is, you know, because the thing is, God's got a future for every single person. Yes. It's not just p- specific people that he's picked up. It's for everybody. Right. Uh, and I think a lot of times we sit around and we like we dream about this amazing future. Yeah. But we just sit there and we wait and we hope that it just falls into our lap. And, and I think you hit it, but but it, it, it's too late to prepare when the door of opportunity opens. Oh, yeah. And and I think uh, someone once said that uh, that waiting on God is one of the most active things you can actually do. <laughs> and I think what's funny is, man, you talk about. Uh, and you guys were full-time school. Yeah. You guys were doing extracurricular activities. You were in church faithfully, all while trying to follow this yeah. big dream, this big passion. And, man, I think you hit it on the head is, man, you got to be in the Word every single day mm-hmm. because the Bible says that God will direct your steps. Yes. And, and, and pastors talk about it all the time. It's how can you agree with God if you don't know what He said. Right. And, and, and the problem is I think a lot of people... They, they they think they know what God said, but but they it's hard to agree with them because man, you're not faithful in your word, you're not faithful in your <laughs> in your thing, and, and the other thing is, man, you're in church, and I think that's what's cool is, um, you know, our relationship has begun to grow over the last couple of years. It's been really cool, but just being able to watch you do all this, I feel like I'm in it with you, like oh, you are, like we're in it together, yeah. you know, and so as 100%. you get all this success, and it's like, man, that's that's my go, Mike, and you know, me and Bree are on the sidelines cheering you on, and and I think that's what's cool is we say it all the time together we're better absolutely and i I think that's together we're better but our future is better together yes and 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 you hit on that yeah i love it well shannon and i are on the sidelines for you and brie too because we're watching you guys grow and and you know i love it when you preach it's just awesome Uh, you're taking a hard run at your dad's job (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) no no but i love it and it's just so awesome uh and that's it right so it's it's people And uh, this church family has supported us and done some crazy cool things in unexpected ways, which is amazing. Uh, But but it's we've we've got to do it together. Right. And there was I was in a leadership training. There was this coach Bruce Brown. Uh, Nick and I have actually talked about this. Nick's over the shoulder right here. There he is. You didn't know it. Can't see him out of yet. But (laughs) um, 
The uh, Bruce Brown one day said, and, and uh, I'm not so sure that this is a Bruce Brown original, but he said, if you want to run fast, run alone. Makes sense, right? We can sprint, yeah. we're unencumbered, but if you want to run far, you've got to do it together. And that is the truth. People get things done together. Right. Yeah. And so it's, a, it's an investment when you come and you, you come to church on a Saturday or Sunday uh, and you're building these relationships, you know, you get out there, particularly if it's stepping out of your, your comfort zone. Um, to do this, it bears fruit because these yeah. people will show up at key moments in your life, yeah. uh, right when you need them, and that's when that opportunity, of, you know, the door of opportunity opens up, and you're well prepared. Yeah. You got a team backing you, and you go get it. It's amazing. It's cool. Uh, God has a plan, an amazing, huge, incredible future, far above anything you could ever think or ask or imagine. That's what the Bible says, and it's for you. And just realize that you're not in it alone. That we're in this together, and together it's going to be amazing. Together we're better. So I appreciate your time. Awesome. I love you, you guys. Oh, I'm excited for everything that God has for you and for you guys. Let's uh, join the rest of the service. Cool. Come on, let's give it up for Mike Novakovic. Come on, give it up. Give it up. What a cool story. A cool story. I love Mr. Mike and Shannon Novakovic. If you don't. Uh, know them yet, you uh, are missing out. They are some world-class people and great friends, great people. Um, you you want to get to know them. And we're going to learn a little bit more about uh, Mike and Shannon as we continue. Uh, how many people enjoying the series November? Getting to know people, getting to know characteristics of God and it was amazing, and, and uh, you know, it was cool. The brothers did an amazing job last weekend. How many of you were here for the word on generosity with Doug Thomas and Evan and TJ tag teaming it? It was amazing, and uh, you know, me and Bree got to go with my parents, Pastor Tom and Shelby, and uh, they preached in Vancouver, Washington. Uh, last weekend with uh, great friends of ours, Glenn and Theresa Johnson, and I went to school with their son, Joel, in college, and uh, great, great people, so we got to spend time with them, and this weekend, he is in Hillsboro, Oregon, preaching for a new friend of ours, and, and uh, it's funny because I think he said in 13 years that the Garden's been a church, he has not missed two Sundays in a row, ever, and, and he's, he was really beating himself up because he's like, I can't believe I'm gone two Sundays in a row. I want to be there. I want to get there. I want to be in my church. I want to be with my family. And, and, uh, and, and I said, no, you need to go. You need to do what God's called you to do. Because here's the thing. Here's the garden. We all say this. What's the how? What's the how? And the how, H-O-W, is help others win. And that's what we want to do around here is we want to help others win. And when he gets to go and speak in churches, he is setting those people up to win. I mean, it's amazing to sit there and watch people respond to God, get their lives right with God, and he is helping people win. So it's cool that he gets to go do that. We get to be here and not skip a beat all while helping people win. It's going to be a great, great weekend. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm excited for today. I think it's going to be an amazing, amazing service. And how many people are here expecting something from God today? Yeah. I mean, that's the question, right? That's why you come to church, because you're expecting God to show you something, to give you a glimpse of something, to, 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 to bring something out of you, to grow. I mean, if we're coming here just to check something off of our list of to-dos, then you should pick a different church, because that's not going to fly around here. We want God to move in our lives around here. We want God to show us things that we don't already know. We want God to give us vision so that we can be and become all that God has called us to be. I hope you guys came here today expecting a word from God. Uh, and here's, before we get started, if you need a Bible, uh, we believe in the Word of God. It is the final authoritative Word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we build our lives on this book. And if you need one, throw a hand up in the air, and we would love to give you a Bible. We think that you need to have this book in your life, applying it every single day. It is the most important thing you can do uh, in your life, is read the Word of God. Amen? Amen. You guys ready? Are you ready? Yeah. We're talking about knowing vision. Knowing vision. And Mike's story was really cool. And uh, I realized I was going to be speaking on vision. And I got to interview Mike. And me and Mike have been friends. And our relationship has grown over the last couple of years. And, and great, great people. And I was, knew I was going to be talking about vision. And, and, uh, and so I did what anybody would do uh, when they need to know the real origin of a word, the real, where it came from. I went to Google and uh, I just typed in vision. And uh, it's funny to see the different things on vision. You know, you know those, uh, 
those, those posters that many of us, many teachers have them in their, in their classrooms, and I'm sure many of you have them in your offices, and, and it's like an, an eagle soaring above the mountains, and then it says, vision, and then there's like a little quote under, you know what I'm saying, and they have them for endurance and strength, I mean, they're just, and, 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 and most of the quotes that they have, they're kind of cheesy, but because it's a picture of an of a eagle flying, it makes it really, really good, like, like one of them I saw in my quest for vision, it said, it said it was an eagle, it's flying, and the sky is so high, and it said, vision, it's not where you're standing, it's the direction you're going. Wow, it's pretty good. Vision, right? Uh, one, of them, one, one of them said, let me, let me make sure I get it right. One of them said, um, if you go as far as you can see, then you'll realize you can go farther. <laughs> Vision, right? Right? And I'm sorry if you have that in your office or something. I really am. I, I apologize. That's uh, not my point. Well, here's one. Here's one. And it says, uh, Vision, to see not what is, but what could be. I actually like that one. I, I think I, I really like that one because that one reminds me of, of like faith, right? Faith is things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Vision, to see not what is, but what could be. Sounds a lot like faith. It sounds a lot like potential. Potential, vision, faith, potential. They have a rhythm to them. Vision, faith, potential, to see not what is, but what could be. You know, growing up in sports and in football, we'd always hear, I mean, if you grew up in sports at all, you hear, you have potential. You have potential. We'd be in the, in the high school locker room with the Kennewick Lions, the best team in the world, and we'd be sitting in the locker room, and, and, uh, and the coaches would say, there's so much potential in this locker room. And you're sitting there like, yeah, there is. Like, <laughs> heck yeah, there is. And, and, they, and they'd start pumping you up, and man, there's enough potential in here to, to win playoffs. And you're like, yeah, we're going to take playoffs this year. And there's enough potential in here to go to the quarterfinals. Woo, we're going to the quarterfinals. There's enough potential to be state champs. We're all like on our feet like, yeah, state champs, you know, like, woo. And then they'd say, but potential is a dirty word. We're like, time out. <laughs> Time out. Let's go back to this state thing. Let's go back to that because we're going to be good. We never won state when I was playing, by the way. We never did. I don't know. If, yeah, no. Uh, but they say potential is a dirty word because it means you could, but it also means you could not. It means that you could, but you also might not. Do this. Look around the room right now. And look at all the potential in this room. This room is full of it. Full of potential. Of future businesses that could change the community as we know it. Man, future ideas and inventions that could change the way the human race does life. We have enough potential in this room, I 100% believe, to change the world. We do. But potential is a dirty word because it means you could, but you could not. Vision, faith, potential, vision, faith, potential. There's a vision that God has for your life. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future, man, to prosper you, never to harm you. There's a vision that God has for your life, but here's the deal. That vision is tied to the faith that you have inside of yourself. And that faith is tied to potential. You might be all that God has called you to be, but you also might not. You might be, but you might not. Potential, potential. The thing I love about Mike's story is it gives us a picture of somebody who saw potential and went after the what could be, right? Seeing not what is, but what could be. The thing I love about Mike's story is he is running after what could be. And the cool thing about God is he's not a respecter of people that you too can run after what could be. 
You too can run after the vision that God has placed in you. You can become all that you were meant and designed and purposed to be. Just like Mike. Just like, I think we should get bracelets to say, be like Mike, right? And they're like, oh, Michael Jordan. No, Mike Novakovich. You should get to know him. Yeah, he's like, be like Mike. <laughs> His story is really inspirational to me. I mean, you, you watch that video and... After the first time I watched it, I was like, man, it just makes me want to go out and do something. It makes me just, like, I feel inspired right now. Um, but the thing I want to do today is not inspire people. I don't want to inspire you. Do you know the definition of inspire simply means to be mentally stimulated to feel something? I don't want you leaving here feeling good. I want you leaving here with a sword in your hand. I don't want you leaving here feeling, oh, that was really nice. That was inspiring. No, I want you leaving here with your feet back underneath you, ready to run the race that you were designed and meant to run. Run like one to win. I want you ready to do and become all that God has called you to be. And as I begin to prepare for this message, I came across a passage of Scripture and, and what happens you, a lot of times when I go to preach is like, uh, I'll, I'll be reading or I'll be listening to podcasts of buddies of mine that are preaching somewhere, friends or, or people I like to listen to. And they'll, they'll, do, they'll, they'll come across or mention a passage. And I'll be like, yeah, that's really good. I, haven't, I don't remember that one or I haven't, I haven't heard that one in a while. And then I'll just put it on the back shelf and I'll roll. And, and usually what happens is I begin to think or like, hey, you're going you're gonna to preach that weekend. Well, I should have preached on vision. I'll be like, okay. And I start preparing and praying and thinking and, okay, what should we do? And, the, and then this passage kept coming, coming back at me. I really wanted to go like to the big vision you know the big vision scriptures like hey write the vision down make it plain to see and really we could just go on that but but I kept coming back to this passage for some reason and I think I can do it if if I can't I think we can get vision out of this passage in a really really neat way but I want to show it to you in first Samuel and 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 here's the day it says that the same day Saul's son Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons his armor bearer said come on let's cross over the Philistine garrison on to the other side. However, he did not tell his father. Dad doesn't know. So Saul was staying under the pomegranate tree in Migron on the outskirts of Gibeah. The troops with him numbered about 600. Ahiah, who was wearing an ephod, was also there. He was the son of Ahitub, the brother of Ichabod, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the Lord's priest at Shiloh. There are so many neat Bible names right in that little passage. If you haven't, there's babies popping up all over the place. If you haven't found a name for your child yet, Ahiah would be great. You should just take a look at that one. Just put that on the back shelf. Just say it a couple times. Like, it's Ahiah. You're like, it's good. I like it. It's like, it's, 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 it says, but the troops did not know that Jonathan had like, Nobody knows Jonathan's gone. And then it goes on to say that there was sharp columns of rock on both sides of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine garrison. One was named Bozes and the other Senna. And one stood to the north in front of Michmash and the other to the south in front of Geba. Uh, Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons, he said, come on, let's cross over the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Very popular verse. Perhaps the Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. His armor bearer responded, do what is in your heart. You choose. I'm right here with you, whatever you decide. Every business owner in here is saying, yes, Lord, give me employees like that guy that will just do whatever I said to do, and they will say, whatever's in your heart, sir, yes, we want those people. And, All right, Jonathan replied, we'll cross over to the men, and then we'll let them see. So they begin to develop some kind of a battle plan, right? Um, there's a bunch of men up on this, on this hill, on this mountain, and, and, and Jonathan and his army, they're going to go take them all on. It's us against the world. And so they begin to develop a kind of a, a strategy, and, and they said, uh, okay, we're going to let them see us. First of all, that's a terrible strategy. If it's you versus a bunch of, the, the art of surprise is your best friend. These guys are not doing it right. And then they said, if they say, wait until we reach you, then we will stay where we are and we not go up to them. But if they say, come on up, then we'll go up because the Lord has handed them over to us and that will be our sign. Yeah, makes sense, right? Yeah, if they see us, then they say, come on up here, we'll know we'll win. Yeah. And, and so it says that they let themselves be seen by the Philistine garrison and the Philistine said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they've been hiding. And then it says that the men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer, come on up and we'll teach you a lesson, they said. Follow me, Jonathan told his armor bearer, for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. Jonathan climbing up using his hands and his feet with his armor bearer behind him. Jonathan cut them down and his armor bearer followed and finished them 
off. What a cool story. What a cool story. It says that in that first assault, Jonathan and his armor bearer struck down about 20 men in a half acre field. Vision. Right? Don't we all get just vision out of that? Isn't that like you read that? You're like, I get it. Vision. No, you don't. <laughs> like, neither did I. But see, what's interesting about Jonathan is in, is in the beginning of this passage, it says that Jonathan and his armor bearer, they left. And it says that the king didn't know and none of the troops knew, but they took off. And to me, that would be surprising, especially because we have to do a little bit of backstory on this scripture. Do we find out that Saul, who is John's dad, just became king? I mean, he was just, I mean, it's like a very, it's very fresh. Just became king, and they immediately go into battle with the Philistines. Um, but what, what's interesting is Saul wasn't supposed to be the king. Actually, God didn't want the people of God to have a king. He wanted his people to be his people and for him to be his, their God and that to be that. But the people really, really wanted the king because everybody else had a king. And we all know that when someone else has something, we have to have it too, right? So they said, hey, we want a king too. And God said, okay, I don't know. I don't think you want a king. And then they see Saul, who is the people's choice. I mean, he is a war hero. The Bible says that his God's hand was on him. I mean, they're like, that's the guy. He's going to be king. So Saul becomes king, and it says that they immediately go into battle. And Saul, he's kind of an, an impatient guy, because what's supposed to happen before they go into battle is that the priest would come, and they would do some sacrifices, and they would give something to God so that God would put his hand on the army so they could win. But Saul got a little bit impatient and tired of waiting for the priest, and he said, I have an idea. I'll just do it for the priest. That way I make his life easier because he just wanted to make his life easier. He just wanted to make it easy for the priest, right? I'll do his job for him and, and then he doesn't have to do it. And so Saul makes sacrifices for the priest and that was a big no-no. The priest comes to Saul and says, listen, God was about to, to, to establish your kingdom forever. He said God was at the point where he was going to make your kingdom reign forever. But because you did this, now your kingdom will come to an end. Big mistake. And so we see now where we're at in this picture where, where, where Jonathan is, is leaving and it says that Saul is under a pomegranate. Saul makes a mistake and, and he's ashamed and he's embarrassed and God's hand was on his life but now it's not. So he goes and sits down somewhere and it says that Jonathan took off. Like, hey, I'm out. Like, this does not look good, right? Like, especially because if you look at who they were against, see, it said when Saul became king and they were going into battle that Saul got an army together. He said, I'm going to get 3,000 men. Three, two of them will be for me and one of them for my son. 3,000 men, that's a lot of people. That's my army. The only problem is that the Philistines too got an army together. And the Philistines gathered to fight against Israel. 3,000 men in chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and troops as numerous as the sands on the seashore. <laughs> little army, big army. <laughs> Saul's little army, Philistines' great big army. So it makes sense that John would be like getting out, tucking tail, running. Like it's like a bajillion to us. And even you read that all of Saul's people, like they only had 600 left because everybody got scared and like ran and hid. So it makes sense that Saul is off crying somewhere underneath the tree and Jonathan's like trying to get out of town. But if you study Jonathan's life, he's not, he's not a coward. Jonathan was not somebody who would run from a fight. Actually, Jonathan was very disciplined. And this, if you study it out, it doesn't make sense that he would get out of town to run and hide. It makes sense that while everybody was resting, Jonathan was out doing something. That's what makes sense, that while people were sitting, Jonathan was moving. See, the thing I like about Mike's uh, interview is that while most of us are sleeping, Mike is up working. See, while many of us were Netflixing, Mike was out networking. See, here's the thing about the vision that God has for your life. It demands discipline. See, if you have a vision but you don't have discipline, you have a dream. And many of us are okay with just being dreamers because we don't want to develop the disciplines that it takes to get us to the vision that we see. Your, your vision without discipline is a dream. And what happens when you have vision without discipline 
it causes division. See, when you don't have disciplines, it divides you, it separates you from the vision that God has for your life. You need disciplines. Like, here's a dating tip for all the ladies. Don't date someone based off of their potential. Don't date someone based off of the vision that they can cast. No, you date someone based off of their patterns, based off of their disciplines. See, here's the deal. It took Bree 12 long years to see all the potential in this. 12 long years in the desert to her to recognize all the potential. But if you ask her, you ask her, okay, what changed? What was the difference? Well, she'll tell you that when I came back from college, she began to see patterns that I had in my life. That no longer was I a young high school boy, but now I was more like a man. And I said, listen here, lady, I've been a man all my life, okay? <laughs> she said, I began to see the patterns that you had developed, that you, you read your Bible, you, went to, you made church a priority, you were not doing dumb things on Friday nights, and and you took care of yourself. And, and she said, you know, you, you like to shop in Nordstrom's. And she said, and I know you don't like to do sale racks. And I can buy into somebody who doesn't do a sale rack because that means I'm going to be dressed in the nicest. And she said, I want that. <laughs> she began to notice the, the, the disciplines, the patterns. Because here's the thing. Someone might have potential, but they might also have a problem. Just because they have potential doesn't mean they have a spending problem. Because guess what? You have now the potential to be really broke. (laughs) It's not potential, it's patterns. It's disciplines. Disciplines are an investment in the miracle that you don't know you need. Your disciplines are an investment into the miracle you don't know you need. And I can prove it because we look at Jonathan and it says that he goes to climb this mountain. If you do any research on this mountain, it was a doozy. Like I've tried to climb Mount Badger back here, like the tallest mountain in, in the Pacific Northwest, I think it is. I've tried to climb it and I'm not, I'm not kidding. By the time I get to the stairs, the top of the stairs, my back is killing me. I'm literally like, Let's go, like, let's get out of here. Like, this is so dumb. Like, there's a Krispy Kreme right across the bridge. Like, this is so much better. But, so what it tells me with Jonathan, is getting ready to climb the mountain is, it's not any, if you research the mountain, it is a mountain. It's no, it's no badger. It's a real, in order for someone to climb a mountain, you have to be disciplined in your body. You have to have disciplines of taking care of yourself and eating right and working out. I mean, that, it just goes without saying. And you look at Jonathan, he's getting ready to climb a mountain. So he has disciplines in his life. And he goes to climb the mountain. The other thing you realize, they say that if Jonathan or his armor bearer were there by themselves, neither of them would have been able to climb the mountain. But because they were together, they were able to work together and get to the top of the hill. Can I tell you the vision that God has for your life? It demands you to do life together in a community that you can't do life alone. You were not designed or meant to do this life on your own. And the thing I love about Mike and his story is he is grabbing people and pulling them along for the journey with him. You cannot do life alone. You need people. Look around this room. It's full of people that God has placed in your life to help you become all you've been called to be. The vision that God has for you Man, it demands discipline, and it demands you to do life together. And because that they were disciplined, they get to the top of the mountain, and God was able to move on their behalf. And they were able to take on 20-odd men by themselves. What a cool story. What an inspiring passage. Vision. Man, I can develop discipline, and I can become all God's called me to be, and I can do it with people, and... Man, what a cool passage. But the problem about this passage with me is I feel as though if if I were to leave it here, that I would be doing a disservice to what God really wants to talk about. 
Because see, I've come to find out that the truth lies in the tension. That the real truth lies in the tension of the topic. And there's tension in the topic of vision. There's tension when we, I, and I began to think about because like, I look at the topic of vision, it's so big, it's so vast. Anybody could talk about vision. And there's people who are far better than me, that are more articulate than me. Man, they have, they have larger degrees than I do. They've been doing it longer than I am. They can talk to you about vision. Like I almost wanted to just, just play the Stephen Furtick, T.D. Jake's uh, interview on vision for you guys because we'd all leave here better. We'd all leave here ready to take on the, on the world. But the problem is there's, there's a tension that really lies within me when we talk about the topic of, of vision. There's a tension there. For me, I think the tension on the topic of vision is that most of the time, I don't feel like Jonathan climbing the mountain, taking on the world. Right? Because vision is seeing not what is, but what could be. A lot of the times, I don't focus on the what could be. Most of the time, I relate more with Saul. Most of the time, when I look at myself, I relate more with the guy who's broken. I relate more with the guy who who messed up. I relate more with the guy who seems to have lost his vision. That is sitting somewhere while others are out climbing their mountain. That's hurt or upset offended because something didn't go the way I wanted it. Most of the time, I relate more with Saul. And I think that's the tension of this message. That a lot of times, we relate more with Saul than with Jonathan. I mean, isn't that what our community and our society has come to? That we look at Facebook and Instagram, and we have to sit and watch other people take on their mountain while we feel like we're immobilized. Like we're, 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 we've fallen but we get to scroll and look at all these other people doing what God's called them to do. Look at what they just did and look at where their business is at and look at what their kids are doing and look at what their relationship looks like and all while we sit here feeling like we've lost our vision. I think the tension for me is I feel more like Saul. You know, I was telling a buddy of mine that every time I get up to preach, every single time, whether it's main service or youth students, every time, every time, every time I go to preach, man, I begin to prepare and I begin to get ready. I begin to have these thoughts. And I begin to have these, these thoughts rise up on the inside of me and right as visions seeing not what is but what could be. And these thoughts that I begin to have really focus in on the seeing what isn't. What if this isn't going to be good? (laughs) What if I get up there and I look like a fool? I'm not qualified to do this. There are so many people better in this room, better than me for this. What if it's not as good as the last time? What if it doesn't make sense and I focus on the what is not rather than the what could be? Because, hey, God could move. And people's lives could be changed and people could leave inspired and they could say, wow, that was amazing. But I focused on the what is not. I feel like Saul. I'm sitting somewhere when I should be out fighting. I should be out climbing. I should be out taking what's mine going after the vision but but I'm not I'm not I can't what if I think a, a lot of us that the reason we don't pursue the vision is because of failure fear of failure what if what if I don't what if I can't what if the business fails what if the relationship doesn't work out what if my kids do something that, man, hurts them? What if? What if? A lot of times with our potential and the vision, we focus on the what is not rather than what could be. 
but I'm learning. This is personal, and, 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 and I would hope that you could hold on to this. I'm learning that the pain of falling short is nothing compared to the shame of stopping short. That the pain of failure does not compare to the shame of not even trying. I'd rather step on this stage and give everything I've got and give everything that I have than never, want, than never step on the stage at all. I'd rather lay my head down at night and say, God, I gave it everything I had. And, and, and if you wanted something better, if you wanted someone smarter, if you wanted someone wiser, then you should have brought that. But I gave everything that I had. Because here's what you have to realize. That when you give everything you've got, God becomes everything you're not. What is not, what is not, what is not, but what could be? What if the business fails? What if it succeeds? What if my kid, what if your kids do something amazing? What if the relationship, what if the relationship is strong and it stands? What if I fail? What if you win? What if you win? Vision, faith, potential. Vision, faith, potential. I feel like a lot of us can relate with Saul. We've lost our vision. But what I've found is that if you've lost your vision, it's actually not that hard to get it back. The vision can be lost but it's not that hard or difficult to get it back. See, I look at scriptures like this. Like, there's a scripture in Luke, and, and it says, look up. Lift your head, for redemption is coming. Or Psalms 5, verse 3, that it says, I will direct my prayer to you and look up. Psalms 121, verse 1, I lift my eyes. I look up because my help comes from the Lord. Psalms 123, verse 1, I lift my eyes to you. I look up to you, the one who's enthroned in heaven. If you've lost your vision, all you got to do to get it back is look up. All you have to do is stop looking at what you can't see. Saul is sitting under a tree. He can't see, but the moment he looks up, the moment he gets up, he begins to see the vision that God has for his life. You just got to look up. You just got to look up. You just got to look up. Do, do this. Since you're standing, stay standing. You just got to look up. You know, later in that chapter, it says that Saul got up. And that he joined his son. And then it says that all of his army that was hiding came out to join them. So here we are, back to 3,000 versus a bajillion, right? I mean, we're back to the, the initial odds. 3,000 versus them. And I did a little bit of math, and it's public school math, so don't, like, hold me to it, okay? Um, <laughs> But, but if, if Jonathan took on 20 guys, I mean, basically by himself. I mean, it says that his, his armor bearer, it says that Jonathan cut, you know, took him out and then his armor bearer uh, finished them off. Like he was like, he didn't need the armor bearer, but the armor bearer was like, hey, listen, I climbed the mountain too. Like I'm getting my hand in some of this action. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some fun also, right? So, but, but, but Jonathan could have done it by himself. I, I believe Jonathan could have done it by, done it by himself. And What's interesting is if, that, if those were the odds, one on 20, and there's 3,000 of them, then 
with God's help, with God involved, they could have taken on over 60,000 people. 60,000 people, that's a lot of people. (laughs) To me, that sounds like the sands on the seashore. What's amazing is that when you position yourself, when you decide that, you know what? I'm not going to be afraid of failing. But I'm going to get up and I'm going to start moving towards the vision that God has for my life. Things that were impossible, all of a sudden God is working on your behalf. Things that could never have happened, God is now opening doors for you. God is now providing a way for you. God is now giving you everything you need. Because the Bible says in my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So everything that I'm not, that's perfect. Because that's everything that he is. Man, I've lost my vision. Look up. Look up. The second part, and this is my favorite part of this whole message. This whole message is that it says that Jonathan told his army bear, they're getting ready to climb the hill. And they're getting ready to go and, and, and fight these guys. And it says that Jonathan said, maybe the Lord will deliver it. Maybe God will move. And we, we really focus on that. And what's funny is that's, that's very popular Christian talk. Maybe God will do it, right? And we throw a lot of faith behind it because it makes us sound big. And, and like we have all this like, maybe God will do it. Hey, there's a big job. Well, maybe he'll get me that job. Maybe he'll get me that raise. Maybe he will. But if you take the emotion out of it, take your big faith talk out of it, maybe God will. You're putting God into your potential. You have just limited God. And we focus on that so much. Maybe he will. I want to know why we don't focus on what he says next. Because he says nothing can keep God from saving. Whether by many or by few. Nothing can keep God from coming through on our behalf. And here's what he does. He takes God out of his potential and focuses on God's promise. Amen. Your potential, yeah, you might, you might not. God's promise always will. Yeah. What's your perspective today? Where are you at? Can you see the vision? Because if you can see the vision, that means you just got to start climbing. Amen. That means you just got to keep fighting. That means you just got to keep going. Keep developing. Yeah. Keep working. Uh-huh. Or maybe you're the one that, I can't see the vision. I can't see it from where I'm at. I can't see it. That's okay. All you got to do is look up yeah. and hold on. All it took for Jonathan was one word from God. Nothing will stop him. Which one are you? Because today, this is what I love. It says that Jonathan and Saul stood together and the Lord saved Israel that day. No matter which one you are, God will come through for you. No matter which position you see yourself, God will win for you. It's never been you in the first place. It's never been us in the first place. So why would we try and put this whole thing on us? It's always been him. I want everybody to close your eyes and bow your heads. And if you're here, and this is for you, you're here and the vision is there, but I feel like the fight is gone. You're hearing the vision is there, but I feel like my faith is diminished. Man, the mountain is too big. I can't climb that. It's too hard. Or or maybe you're the one who's sitting in shame somewhere because it didn't work out the way you thought it would. And you feel like you can't get up. My vision is gone. God, I don't know what to do anymore. I don't know where to go anymore. And if that's you, and 
This message is for you. That you're going to decide to leave here in a different position with a sword in your hand, with your feet underneath you. You're going to start climbing. You're going to start looking up. If that's you, I just want you to stand and lift up a hand. Wherever you're at, just stand to your feet and put a hand up in the air. I want to pray with you. I want to believe with you. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at, don't miss out. Don't sit another Sunday underneath the pomegranate tree. God, we thank you for every single person whose hand is lifted, for every single person who is saying, God, I need this. God, I can't do it on my own anymore. God, I, I, can't, I can't keep doing the same old thing. God, I thank you that faith is rising up on the inside of them. God, I thank you that the perspective is beginning to be changed right now. That it's no longer look what I can't, but it's look what could be. God, look at your promise that stands forever. That even though the world may fade, God, your kingdom remains forever. God, I pray for these people that they would set their eyes on you. God, that they would set their eyes on you. God, I thank you that your word has never failed. God, that it never returns void, just like the water that falls from heaven and causes the earth to bud. God, so that this word would fall into their hearts and produce a fruit. God, that they would never be the same again that they would leave here ready to take on whatever comes their way, no matter how high the mountain is or how big the fight is. God, we thank you that they are positioned to win and succeed no matter what comes their way. Give them vision back, God. Give them vision back. God, we thank you for that. While every eye is still closed and heads are bowed, if you're hearing and your life's not right with Christ. If you're here and your relationship with God isn't what it needs to be, can I tell you that this is the first place a vision starts? On our own, we can't do it. But with Him, the Bible says, now to Him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask, think, or imagine, the vision that God has for your life is far greater than anything you could imagine on your own. And if you're here today and you need to get your life right with God, you need to tap into His vision. You need to make Him the Lord of your life. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to make you come up front or anything. We just want to pray with you and agree with you. And if that's you, would you just put a hand in the air so that we can see you and we can pray with you wherever you are. Just throw a hand up in the air. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Wherever you are, thank you. Come on. Is there anybody else? Eyes closed, head bowed. Is there anybody else? Thank you. Is there anybody else? Don't miss this. Thank you. Don't, don't leave here. in the same position that you came in. Is there anybody else? Just throw a hand up in there. All you got to do is just throw it up and throw it back down. That's it. Wherever you're at. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want everybody to repeat this after me. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for me. Today, I make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Make me clean. Make me new. And I choose to live for you every day of my life. Today, I choose your vision. Today, I choose you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody give the Lord a shout of praise.